you primitive screwheads listen up i got news for you pal you ain't leading but two things right now jack and shit jack left town well hello mr fancy pants in my office and I heard a rocket. Describe the rocket, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? You guys need to pass it up there. I'm in my prime. Get out of your mind. Ain't it cool? You want to kill me? Now you want to kiss me? Blow. Good. Bad. I'm the guy with the gun. What up, Neko? What up, Anubis? DJ Nubis and DJ Neko. New episode of Forge of Chaos on the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. I'd like to welcome you all back from whatever the fuck you're doing. I just came home from work. That's what the fuck I was doing. Yeah, those uh, half days are turned in a yeah. lot longer. <laughs> I used to get off, and it really depends, but I've been home for about six weeks now. 
and yeah, usually on Fridays we're done at the latest at one, and the last like three weeks it's been three o'clock. So yeah. You said you thought they were teaching you a lesson. Yeah, I feel like I'm like, are we being taught? And it was weird too because at like I don't know, like one forty-five, I'm at my desk and I am taking my exams from my training classes, and my boss comes up and he like has the most mundane task that doesn't really need to be done (laughs) right now but he's like here I I need you to show you what I need you to do like I need you to clear out this stuff from behind this shelf throw it away and then we're going to bring this bring something up here and put it there and honestly it's all like it's kind of like office space, and they're just sending you down to the fucking uh, yeah, basement me... to clean <laughs> well, spray for roaches. It, thank God I had some help, because some of the stuff was really heavy and big and awkward, but I think there has been this giant whiteboard, you know, like dry erase board, that was ordered for my boss, and I don't know if they ordered the wrong size, but it's like comically big. I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't even fit on our wall, honey. It's just crazy big. I think someone ordered the wrong size, but like you can't return a whiteboard that size, so it's been sitting. Wow. It at, it's been sitting in one spot uh, in the warehouse me? that people walk by every day, and I think probably like the depot manager was like, "You need to do something with this," and like my boss is like just got grumpy about it because I'm like, "What's?" We were all kind of like, "What set him off?" But I'm like. I know how he operates, and he doesn't really give a shit about that stupid whiteboard, but somebody was probably, like, getting on his case, like, why is that still there? Shit rolls down the Yep, hill. and then at, we got it all done, like, really fast, and he's like, you got it all done? Yeah. <laughs> it was four of us. Like, Let me see if I can find something else for you. Well, it was four of us, and we teamwork you know one one person's doing one thing one person's taking out the trash one per so we all did something so like it just it was just funny and i but yeah i mean it, it's been a while the one weekend when we did the uh they had the big it conversion we left at noon because they're like yeah we need you to leave now we just need you off the fucking computers. yeah you need to get, leave your computers we're doing the conversion see you later so it's been being at home, I do have to still go into the office, and it's you know sometimes I'm happy I've had all this training though. I had a little extra training today on using one of the presses, and um, the the instructor was like, "I feel great." So anyway, <laughs> so that's your day. That's my day. All right. Well, we got a few different topics to get to today. Um, a lot of various different things, but uh, some good stuff. New music, of course. Got a lot that's sent to me through the labels like Horror Pain, uh, Vlad Promotions, Inverse Records, Curtain I love Calls. Vlad. Like, Zeno Corp. Yeah, he does a lot of our liners, which he's not, he hasn't sent me in a while, but you know, he's a busy boy. Um, Kobar, of course. And of course, in the Rock Block, your pick of the week. Uh, also, uh, in the rock block, I got brand new Stone Temple Pilots, and oh, uh, I haven't heard that yet. How do you feel so far? Uh, you know, it's this mixture of the alternative rock stuff, but then like it also has like a very classic rock vibe. So it caught me off guard a little bit. So I'll I'll see what you think of it at that point in time. So it's not totally alternative. Like it doesn't. It's the new album is not aggressive at all. Like mm. it's very soft. Um, 
It's good though. <laughs> I'm doing my yeah. for you. I'm kind of interested. I, you know, I remember them from when I was like, I think I was in middle school when they kind of like hit the scene and it's good to see a band who's taken 30 years worth of work and and you know, still get can still get creative. Yeah. All right, let's get to the first block. Uh Brand new stuff, of course, and I got some uh, classic hit as Divinity in there. We'll be talking a little bit about them later on, but kick off this uh, first segment with Plague, Shattering the Illusion.
Looking for a place to take care of all your automotive needs? Then get in touch with Stauffer's Auto Service in Millersville, Maryland. Stauffer's takes care of all auto repairs, auto service, and great quality parts as well. Stauffer's is located at 8328 Veterans Highway, Suite E in Millersville. Be sure to call and check out all their service specials related to your automotive needs. Stauffer's is professional, friendly, and is highly qualified mechanics to do excellent work with prices that are fair and much better than what you will find at other automotive places. So call 410-729-0121. That's 410-729-0121. And tell them the newsman and his trusty sidekick, Neko, sent you All right, DJ Newis and DJ Neko back with you, the Metal Time Radio Podcast. That was a good opening three songs, baby. Yeah. Anyway, that one with Hideous Divinity, When Flesh Unfolds. I like that. Good band, cool dudes. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that and some other things a little bit later, but right now... Uh, the new uh, Candyman trailer came out. Yeah, breaking news in movies. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, but I've always liked Candyman. Especially, I mean, I was, I was really young when the first one came out. And, of course, I'm like, Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Can't, uh, I can't do it. I can't do don't, it. Don't, no, do, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so, and it was, I watched it a lot. I, I remember watching it. Tons of times. Yeah, I was a taken back when I first saw it. Just like not only just how gory it was, but just an interesting. Story. It made me a huge Tony Todd fan, and like he just ended up building a career in horror from that point and everything else. So it's like, you know, obviously whenever rumors circulate about remakes being done, I start cringing because I, I just hate it so bad, but. I've turned a little bit after diving into more of Jordan Peele's version of this. It's actually going to be a direct sequel, not an actual remake. So I like that. Yeah, uh, that changes things drastically for me because I can at least handle that. Um, there's no need to really redo what was already perfect in my mind. I know it happens, and occasionally it happens with some success. Uh, Evil Dead was one of the rare examples. Uh, Suspiria, I think we've found a way to accept that for what it is. I actually, I think because they had slight differences and they were kind of taking the whole trilogy and kind of making it right. into one, there are some parts of the new Suspiria where I can see having maybe an additional movie, it would kind of explain things a little bit better because it was a little condensed, but you know me... I like anything dance-related and anything horror-related. Well, it was an interesting take. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the thing is, like, I, I'm one of the few people probably that at the end of that movie would say, scratch that and just leave it as it was because the ending really wasn't necessary to the rest of the movie. And I felt that way about The Witch, too. Like, there are certain things that happened in those movies that you kind of had me saying, okay, well, I'm digging this. This is an interesting take. The atmosphere is awesome. Uh, in Suspiria's case, the dance moves were an interesting part of everything that they were trying to Yeah, explain. they were, like, using the dancing as spells. The witchcraft, and yeah. It was kind of cool. So, here we have Candyman. Jordan Peele has done Us and uh, Get Out. Uh, he's 
highly acclaimed director now. Um, apparently he's also, don't know if it's started yet, but he was the guy they were talking about doing a reboot of the Twilight Zone stuff. Like maybe doing a series? Yeah. No, I, I'd be down for that. I like I like how Twilight Zone, um, you know, when it was on, it was every week. It, was, it wasn't something like it was serialized. It was like you could, it was a different little short story every week. So like most um, original films that we always talk about, uh, this will also feature Tony Todd, but not as the actual character of Candyman. I'm not sure who exactly is playing that role, but he will be in it. And of course, I just read that the young baby that's kidnapped at the end of the original is actually grown up now and playing a main character in the sequel to which he is himself as a character as researching the legend of Candyman. The so. direct quote um, by DaCosta, who is um, co-wrote it with Peel, he said, Todd is iconic and what we have done with this film is great. I don't want to give anything away. <laughs> so there's something, you know, there. Hopefully there's a nice cameo hopefully it's a nice nod to or maybe i mean the only thing i could see is maybe problematic is i noticed in the trailer that there's a lot of the you know people being lifted up and you can't see what's happening well, i kind of like that well but that's the thing in the original there's a it's basically the turn of the moment scene in the original because no one's really believing Helen, the chick, the main chick, about what's going on until it happens to, like, I think an officer actually in the interrogation room and it's on camera. So at that point it becomes like the rest of the people are like, what the fuck is going on? We see what's happening. There's just no one there. Mm -hmm. Now it looks like they're maybe overplaying or overusing that a bit, but I don't want to judge it too quickly until I've actually seen the film, but... I think in the trailer there was like two or three cases where they were showing something like that. And I don't know if they're just going to the well too much. But we'll see how Peel does with it. Um, well, you know how sometimes trailers, like, I know. And they don't always include everything. No, That's, they don't. They don't always include I've everything. I've seen that a lot where we see a trailer or something like, oh, yeah, it looks really cool and it's not in the It's movie. never in the movie. Because cutting trailers is its own business itself so yeah what they try to do is take what they've been given by the studio and make the most appealing um trailer i i don't know if if the studio gets involved to a point where they're like okay you have to have this scene in the trailer or not but if i were if i got pre-access to the unedited because that's usually what happens it's it's the rough cut it's not completely edited yet and you have to make yourself what is it a 30 to 60 second trailer to a movie that's coming out i would look for these eye-catching and and you know the action and a little bit of the gore because you do need to show that yes it's going to be gory but you know did they say if it was rated r I'm pretty sure. I'm it's pretty sure be. it's going to be. <laughs> I mean, because it's really hard to. There was some gore in there, and I think you know you're gonna. It's. I can't imagine him not making it R-rated. All right. So anyway, check it out. Uh, if you like Candyman, obviously the lore behind it. Um, can't say much more about it right well, now. Well, it almost kind of sounds like what you're saying with the um, the baby that was kidnapped, and now he's coming out doing research on Candyman. Um, 
it almost seems like there's going to be like an air of mystery, you know, in it too. A little bit of suspense. Watching the trailer, I um I don't I I I saw it and I said I like this and I knew you at first thought it was it was a direct um remake. Remake, but watching it I'm like this dude's an artist, he's doing artwork on on the uh like lore of Candyman and blah blah blah. I said I don't think this is a direct remake. I think it might just be a new take. And then when we read that article today, it's like yeah, okay, this is well, this is... yeah. And the thing is, though, like a lot of times, like even though some remakes are not exactly like even the Nightmare on Elm Street is not an exact copy. I didn't watch it, but it's considered a remake or a reboot, and that's the problem is that most of them fail to live up to any kind of hype and it's not really at fault for so much with the actors or actresses that are portraying the characters it's just that in my mind like I don't even know how the new Candyman will be like I just know that Tony Todd is Candyman I know that Robert England is fucking Freddy Krueger exactly um obviously with Jason you can go there they've had a few different people but Kane Hodder will always be Jason so it's like it's just certain over times of years, I mean, obviously, if you're a new generation of fan, you're probably going to end up liking this movie more than the original. Who knows? Uh, but maybe it'll get some people to see the original who may have not seen it because, I mean, Candyman. I'm sure it's a lot not. Of it. what, but it's it's easily forgotten. Yeah, by it's people. easy. That's it's thing. easily like kind of brushed to the side yeah you know it's not like you're watching a huge blockbuster like independence day where everybody is in the world has seen independence day but right. maybe you haven't seen Candyman. one thing i was thinking about too with uh these remakes slash sequels slash whatever um with freddy krueger or jason or Candyman, there can be so many things going on with these characters like you don't have to keep going back to the same because they're you know supernatural it doesn't have to be like going back and doing the same thing over and over again the same characters Candyman can torture anybody he's supernatural he wants to go and torture some other like group of people he can go ahead and do it the thing about Candyman was that in some ways and, of course, I'm adding in the two sequels that weren't nearly as good on any level, but he was really a, a sympathetic character in that, you know... Yeah, when you saw the end and you saw kind of how everything... Yeah, why it happened mm -hmm. and whatnot. And it, it's like... <laughs> you know, he has that famous line, be my victim, and I'm just like, okay, I'm here, dude, let's do it. Yeah. You know, I get it. Uh... Yeah, so, I mean, it looks interesting. I'll check it out. It definitely with the... With Peel being so, you know, acclaimed now and so accomplished, he could probably do an okay job. I, I mean... Well, he's obviously talented. I yeah. Mean, the movies Us and uh, Get Out have gotten a lot of nominations and stuff like that. So it's not like he's a scrub director coming in trying to do this. So I, I expect it to be pretty well done i just you know at first i was a little taken back because i'm thinking oh god we're gonna do another remake but it's not a remake direct and that sequel makes, and that makes you happy yes my man's happy that's I'm all i'm fine I care with about. sequels just leave my originals please all right 
New Black Music, brand new stuff from Amorphia, great thrash coming your way, Merciless Strike.
Hi, DJ Anubis and DJ Neko. Back with your military radio podcast, brand new Horse of Chaos. Brand new this week. Yarg. Yarg. So on February the 20th, um, there was a celebration of Ronnie James Dio's life. He has been gone now 10 years. So there was a beautiful, I, I guess best way to put it is, a Memorial Awards Gala. That's that's what they're calling it. The Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund was that's his actual charity, but the Memorial Awards Gala was separate. They used that to raise money, um, bring awareness, and honestly, they had some great people in attendance. Uh, Let's see. Met presenters included Ahmet Zappa, Sebastian Bach, Motley Cruz, Tommy Lee, Cinderella's Fred Curry, Quiet Riots, Frankie Benali. Uh, let me see who else. Brian Posen, comedian. Of course, he performed some songs along with Anthrax, Scott Ian, and Joey Vera from Armored Saint. So, basically, the the sad thing is I, I remember when Dio passed away and he's you know huge in the metal world um, but it's been 10 years and his wife actually she made this comment saying it could be 10 years it could be yesterday you know mm-hmm. it's she still feels the same you know heaviness of, of, from his loss and I know a lot of people do because he was such a presence in the in the metal community um there's a also a documentary on dio's life in the works um featuring interviews with his friends and um they said there's going to be some some footage of his childhood that they dug up um apparently there's gonna be a book too oh okay apparently too they had um dio went on tour and uh ronnie's hologram Mm -hmm. was went on tour with them so that's kind of fun. They said they're going to retire that for a bit, and then uh, they Wendy hopes Wendy Dio, his his wife, hopes to have a new hologram ready for it. But if you're on Facebook, look up the Ronnie James Dio Stand Up and Shout Cancer Fund charity organization, and you can see tons of pictures from that evening. I mean, it was. Yeah, no, Ripper Owens was there. Yes, and they have they do have some live footage too from the evening. It's just I really like which is what the metal community is about. Family oriented. Yeah, very family oriented. They everybody comes together. They you know, they really miss Ronnie and they want to I mean, cancer sucks. Everybody it's like cancer affects everybody. Somebody has, we know, everybody knows someone or has went through it themselves. So when you have someone with this kind of notoriety, it's good to get that out there for research, for awareness, to raise money because, you know, it's, it's a very scary disease. Cancer is different for every person. 
like there's not just one he he passed away from stomach cancer well it's stomach cancer but then there's so many different levels or different varieties same thing with breast cancer oh are you they can test now that's the other thing that's you know with with raising money like this you find out you have stomach cancer they can now are able to test and, and figure out better ways to treat you are you going to be better on immunosuppressants? Are you going to be better with chemotherapy? What is, is going to help you? Because it'll tell you the type of cancer and how it's going to react. And without things like this and without the research and without bringing awareness, we aren't going to, you know, beat cancer. It's, so it's important to remember that, yes, I know he is a huge celebrity, but... He was just a man. He was just a man, and his wife is doing... A great job of keeping his legacy alive honoring him and helping other people who are you know so that other people don't have to apparently when you uh, there are certain types of cancers that are easily detected a little bit earlier stomach cancer is not one of those pancreatic cancer also is not one of those and a lot of times when you figure out that it's it's cancer it's already a little bit late in the in the game to fight the cancer so we ha when you have someone like this using their their fame and popularity for a good cause all that's going to do is have more doctors more research more money going to funding the research and it's just gonna do better for everybody so it is sad but it's also happy that you have the ability to bring all of these people together that loved him to do such a good deed. Yeah, and it, it that you know that topic about family and everything drives me into my next, you know, sort of subject matter. Is mm -hmm. I was thinking about like all the different musicians and artists I've met over the years, and how approachable. Yeah, I mean, everybody. I can't rem ever remember any one of them, any person I've ever met being an asshole like you know you get some of these stars that or people that say well yeah so and so is a real dick he's like a rock star mentality but i've never met anyone in my time that i've met personally like barney for napalm death the hideous divinity guys um mike and robert Trujillo from suicide tansy devin townsend gene hoagland enslaved i mean they fucking sang happy they sing birthday. happy birthday for you blake, twice blake from pig destroyer you know we met some sinister guys at the last mdl yes uh, i met peter from uh pain and uh hypocrisy oh, years ago what's the guy's name from avulst i can't oh, remember John, dave rotten yeah he was cool. I, I mean, we just said, hey, can we take a picture? And it seems like they're more happy. They just love the notoriety. They love that the music makes you happy and me happy. They they want, you know... Yeah, I just... I, I, I don't hear too often when people say that, even if there's someone that's met Ronnie James Dio or Ozzy or somebody, I've never heard anything bad about any of those circumstances. I'm sure it happens, but... I think uh, compared to most celebrities or artists that... I feel like... Have, I think you know where you're going. You think of other celebrities, other genres, and the artists are almost like godlike. They're untouchable. Mm -hmm. The metal family... You know, you see, especially at, at festivals, they're in there lingering. 
you know, making friends. They're at their merch stand. They want to sign stuff for you. That's what it feels like. It feels like a metal family. It feels like, oh, hey, um, you bought my record. I'll definitely sign it for you. I'll take a picture. There's none of this, like, uh, if you go to any other kind of, like, um, what are they called? Where a bunch of people... And they sign stuff. Convention. Oh my god. Right, yeah. It's not like you go some conventions it's like, oh I can't sign that, it's fifty dollars. Like right. nobody is like that or in the charge middle. It, right? Yeah. It, it's just not like that. It's all about getting the music out there and genuinely having people enjoy the music. Yeah. I think the only time that we sorta of ran into that and it wasn't even really like a bad experience is I remember and I was talking about this the other day, how we had met, or, well, we basically met Wayne Static and all them when we did, they did the in-store signing. But we got to have a little private right, group. Right, but that was mainly because they were... They were promoting. They weren't, they didn't promote it, promote it well, so what happened was there was only like 20 people there to see these guys, it was them and Three Inches of Blood, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and that's actually the best moment, because you can actually spend time chatting with these guys a little bit, but... I think Wayne was like the closest thing to like a rock star that we'd kind of seen. And I think you. But he was still polite. He it wasn't was very like, cool. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think you know we were there for the CD release, and they did feel like, wow, this is a shitty turnout. You could kind right. of. But it was a weird day, wasn't it? It was like a Thursday Three afternoon. Three in the afternoon or some shit. It was really crazy. Ghost. When we saw Ghost, they are very polite. They were. We went. This was another private, small gathering inside of a record store. It was packed in that one. And it was an acoustic set that they did. They only did three songs, but they sat there for how many hours signing yeah. autographs? Yeah, they probably played for like an hour, and then like were there for at least two hours mm -hmm. afterwards, just talking and signing stuff with people. It was it was phenomenal. I mean, I feel like they're not untouchable. Like you think of Lady Gaga, she's like a goddess to so many. And I I love Lady Gaga. I think her music is fun and poppy, but I don't think you could just walk up and be like, "Hey, Lady Gaga, can I take a selfie?" Or will you sign? It. I just don't think it works like that. Metal is like a brotherhood. I'm sure if you caught people like that by themselves where it wasn't like a mob mentality like but, I, I understand that it's never a lot worse. by themselves right i i haven't watched the whole thing yet but i started watching that taylor swift documentary she's a huge star but she was she said there's like these pressures and that's why she um kind of like disappeared from the limelight for about a year because she's like oh they want me to be the good girl or they want me to be this and they tell me i can't be i can't do this or i can't it doesn't feel like that with the metal community the metal community seems very authentic all right does that does that sound right <laughs> yeah all right well back into our music block i've got some brand new stuff by eyes on the creator and founder of emperor but he's been doing his own thing for years now the solo stuff so brand new stuff from him called telemark i believe that's the title track from the new record and he's always dabbled with progressive and i think even on the song nord that was released on youtube a week or so ago was like kind of like a calling card back to the black metal stuff but uh New record was decent. I, I checked it out, and uh, this is one of my favorite tracks from that record. So here we go. Here we go.
Tavern Radio. It's about that time for the rock block. The rock block? I think we need a rock block intro. Well, we kind of have one for your pick of the week. Yeah, so this is my pick of the week. Not every pick for the rock block. Yeah, we'll work on it at some point, I'm sure. Ah. <laughs> uh, like you said earlier, you got some new stuff from Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, I got that in there. Then we got some stuff sent to us by some labels and promotional sites. Blow Torch, Wheels of Fire. Five star hooker, one uh, two star hooker is, uh, is that like is that like the rating? You know, five stars. I guess so. Uh, psychotic waltz in there as well, and of course your pick of the week, which we'll get to when we get there. All right, gonna kick off the rock walk this week with blowtorch, natural porn killers. <laughs> Yeah! 
Do you live life in the fast lane? Do you have the need for speed? Well, if you're a racing fan and want to be a part of a winning team, then contact Carmichael Racing. Carmichael Racing is currently looking for sponsors for the upcoming champion flat card season. You can be a part of a long tradition of racing as Paul and Rhea L. race to the finish line in Mardella Speedway at Diamond Head Arena in Dillsburg, PA, March 13th through the 15th, 2020. They will also be racing at Hunterstown Speedway and Kepler City Speedway in Ashland, Virginia. Racing runs deep in the blood at Carmichael Racing, and they are looking to gain sponsors for a new upcoming season. If interested, you can contact them at 443-202-3016. That's 443-202-3016. You can also find them on Facebook at SRChamp36. Carmichael Racing. Together you can soar as the engines roar.
Five star hooker. We don't want to stop. It's super rocky. I yes. Like it. Very it's a rock uh, anthem. Glam rocky, like <laughs> LA vibe. Yeah. I, I think that's from the area they're from. I'm not sure. I check my map though. Very cool band. Uh, I kind of got a, a bit of a fast wave vibe about them, which I liked. Um, so that was pretty cool. Alright, so we're now up to Neko's pick of the week. Have you uh, figured out what it's going to be? So this week, um, I feel like all of my picks have been, again, it might be just that I'm, you know, right around the corner from 40, so I'm doing a lot of reflecting and introspective, but the song I picked was Mazzy's Star, Fade Into You, and it was a a really awesome song for me being young I think I was about 13 when this came out and it was one of those offshoot type songs that I really wasn't super into the Mazzy Star like band itself but the song just felt really awesome like I'd listened to it I felt like the teenage angst coming out a little bit I don't know. It it just really sort of kind of 93, you know, the 80s bled into the early 90s, but like 93 was kind of like where you started really feeling a different vibe. And yeah, you know, it's funny with um Mazzy Star like at the time that it was released uh I think it's tonight the stars you might see or something as an every album. I can't remember. But I always enjoyed Into Dust a lot off that record. But Fading to You was the one that got me into it. But it was like that period of time with the whole like alternative rock and grunge rock stuff that was really kicking off. It was off. kind of emerging. You had that and then you had like um Sarah McLaughlin. Um I was I was big into Sarah McLaughlin. Stuff like and that. Yeah, I was yeah, I was starting to explore into a lot more of those realms and Mazzy Star obviously had like this psychedelic vibe about them that I liked a lot, so uh, I picked up that record and really enjoyed it. So when it comes to like, even now when I think of like a lot of the uh, atmospheric black metal or ambient stuff, it, like it all kind of just merges in. Same with the the psychedelic doom stuff and stoner rock, it, it all just kind of blends in together there for me. It kind of feels like a, a lot of the songs that I've been picking, honestly, are kind of like an essence of what I felt the 90s you know I, I would pick things and it would be the in the last couple of weeks so this is another one of those it really feels like you know high school it really feels like the 90s for me and I know you, again we carry over a little bit of the 80s into the 90s and the 90s grows into its own persona but then by the end of the 90s it's turning itself into this complete you know we have the alternative rock and the grunge rock but then we're seeing more of the fusion with hip-hop and that itself carried over into the 2000s for a while and but anyway again I feel like I've been picking things so much lately just because it reminds me of when I was young well I think part of it is I'm getting old well no but <laughs> I mean there is that but uh, there isn't too much that I think that you really keep up on in terms of like modern rock like there isn't a lot there. I mean obviously you hear some bands that I play but 
the stuff that connected to you is all from like 90s or 80s mm -hmm. so I think that's a big part of why a lot of it that you feature on your picks or stuff that you grew up with rather than what's been played recently because because for me a lot of the more recent stuff that I actually have been getting into is more like on the pop side like you know and it's just because you hear it in the grocery store you and you're like oh well that's catchy or you know like when I work on the ship I I'm not a music crazy I mean I love music but I'm not gonna start a fight over somebody listening to what they want to listen to so if they have it's just like a mix of music and a lot of times it's just random stuff that pops up I also feel like because I I do tend to listen to the rock station here if I'm not listening to a podcast or something and the rock station here tends to feature a lot more older things like from the 70s 80s and 90s um I don't I mean I think there was some stuff from Muse that we were listening to in the shop the other day and I'm like oh that's not too bad but like I do it's just kind of I guess what you said it's that nostalgia factor what I grew up with and you know when I met you it was 2002 which is a long time ago and that's when I mean I've always liked metal but that's when you started showing me things that were considered kind of old in 2002. Uh, oh shit, uh oh, <laughs> knocking things over. So you're, you were catching me up all those years with, with the metal scene. Like, when did Painkiller come out? 91? 90. Yeah, yeah, I didn't hear it until I met you. 12 years later so did you hear this great track this called painkiller painkiller it's amazing you're like yes i know i gave you that that cd but that's that's what i mean so i feel like i've been more focused on metal music since i met you than keeping up with well i'm sure that once you met me like your whole world opened up in terms of like all the underground stuff that I was into and just the different bands like now we just see constantly see bands that most people don't even know of like even for those that follow us on this podcast and you know that's the whole point of this stuff is to open people up to some of the other music that's out there I mean I'm fine with like mainstream metal like you know like the Lamb of Gods or Slipknots or whatever we've seen them both but, you know, at the end of the day, there's still so many bands underneath the surface that really could use the attention. And, 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 you know, and a lot of times you listen to the stories of some of these young metalheads and they're like, yeah, you know, Slipknot opened the door, but now I'm like, Cannibal Corpse, man, yeah. stuff like that. So it, it's always like a bridge for everybody. Well, see, for me, it was... I, I talk about this stupid show. What was it? 120 minutes mm -hmm. on MTV. That was like where you got the. Oh, yeah. And Mazzy Star was definitely played on there. That was like stuff like the the Sugar Cubes. I would have never known mm -hmm. about that show. That show was like, but you had to stay up late as fuck because it was after Headbangers Ball half the time. So it was one at like and one. It's really great if you're tripping your ass off like Yahoo here. <laughs> He's like you. Oh my god, I can't imagine you I tripping. I forgot that I did that like. The night before Lollapalooza 2. I, it had to be like 6 a.m. And I'm like... Oh, I'm shit. still I got, tripping. I got a concert I got to be to. I got to go. <laughs> I'm thinking at first I think I'm just going to go to bed. But then I'm like, no, I got a concert I got to fucking go to. 
God. So I slept through like a couple bands during the day, but it was pretty wild. I remember, uh, who the fuck is the singer Pearl Jam? Eddie Vedder? Yes. Wow. He had to catch a, uh, a ride from some uh, fan on his bike because he went to get food or something, but he was late. <laughs> he had to catch a ride back to the to the site to, you know, to, to perform, but it was just kind of funny. But that was a really good show. Soundgarden, Ministry, Red Hot Chili Damn. Peppers. Uh, it was just like a lot of bands. Um, so it was a lot of fun. But yeah, you know, Mazzy Star was kind of the other side of a lot of the alternative stuff because it wasn't as heavy or anything like that. Other bands like Manson, uh, not Marilyn Manson, but Manson, uh, a little bit softer approach. Uh, you could almost put Oasis in that category. Uh, with stuff like Champagne Supernova they, and stuff You know, like that. Oasis would have been... I mean, they were big, but they would have been colossal if those two could just get their shit together. And the funny thing is, you find a lot of people that love Oasis, even now. Like, it just... Santa Smashing Pumpkins and all them, but... So, but it's not, it's kind of coincidental that, you know, that was your pick, typically, because uh, recently, as yesterday, the one of the co-founding members, David Roback, the guitarist passed away it's kind of sad at 61 i mean again it's just i hate always reporting death but you know it's just kind of how it is when you start to get older that a lot of the musicians and idols that you grew up you know checking out are all kind of like passing away sometimes younger than they should be but uh yeah so as a founding member like i said the the album that fade into you and into dust all comes from it's like a fantastic record so you get a chance to hear that now and uh here is neko's pick of the week pick of the week audio jump attention please be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before We will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow, and we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven. DJ Neko's Pick of the Week.
Torrify from Victoria, B.C. You're listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Stay thrashing. Play some more horrified. They're a very good band. I'll throw them in next week. Recommendation by Vlad Promotions a few years ago. Good band. Good band. Alright, so why don't you tell me a little bit about what you were talking about last night? This cult. Oh, so, for me, I know I am. This is me getting old again. I really do scan the internet for interesting news stories and different things, and sometimes I'll be on Reddit. And an interesting topic will pop up, and this popped up. It is a community in Virginia called Twin Oaks, and they call themselves an intentional community. They uh, they have about 450 acres. It's an eco village. They are income income sharing and cooperative. They're self sufficient. And there's about a hundred people that live there. Their motto, basically, it, it has nothing to do with religion because lots of people listen to different, you know, beliefs and all come from different walks of life. But you share everything. You are not allowed to own anything of your own, basically. So if you come to this community, you are allowed to bring your own possessions, but... From what I understand, it's only certain things, and then if you, let's say, do bring a car, you have to share it with the entire community. Nobody owns one car. They have several that everybody can use at their discretion. Um, you don't have a house there. You share a house with other people. It's you like know, a bunch of squatters. Yeah, basically, and it's like meals are communal, so everybody kind of has a job in this community you know some people are clean up some people cook some people do laundry their their way of income is basically making tofu and harvesting seeds and making hammocks so this was this was founded back in 67 oh so it's been around that long they've been around for a long time it's got the hippie vibe and there apparently is a waiting list to live there but you any money that you bring, like if you bring your own money, that is your money, clearly, but it's only to be used to pay for, you know, previous debts, maybe student loan debts or something. You get like a monthly stipend based off of the income that this community brings. So if they, like, it's like very little though, it's like $100, but your food is taken care of, you have no rent. You live there, um, basically, in a, in a commune with everyone. And it's really, really interesting because it's, even though it's not that far from Richmond, Virginia, or Charlottesville, Virginia, it's almost like its own little world, and it's almost like a little cult. And there are people who have stayed there, you know, once they've got there, they've you know, one gentleman who was in the article said he moved there when he was 23 and he still sees that consumerism is 
ruining the world and there's not enough community, etc. So he's still there and he's, I believe, almost 50. He has a son that was born there and his son, who is college age now, I mean, it's not like you can't leave. You can go to the city, you can go and do these things, but with your $100 a month, you can only have fun with that. You know, <laughs> that, wouldn't, that wouldn't last me one night. No, right? And, and and again, that's kind of like what they're like fighting against because they don't want you to, they don't want you to go out and have fun. No, they don't want you. You cannot make a separate income when you join this community. You are committed to their purpose. So. The money that you have prior to joining the community is your money. You don't have to give it to them, but it's only to be used for things. I don't even know how they would keep track of that. Like if you're, let's say you've invested money. Yeah, how do you keep track of outside of the... I don't know. But they they have like a sharing, uh, it's like a little area where they put things, uh, clothes, pots and pans, and it's, you can just come and take it and use what you want. Um, I didn't realize that you initially said that they share the housing. Like. Yeah, so it's it literally like it'll be a house, and maybe they have four bedrooms, but there's like eight people living in the house, sharing the house. Uh. You don't you don't move there, build your own house, and take care of everybody. Takes care of everything together. So it's it's really interesting. It's yeah, it doesn't sound like any fun to me. Well, I I just find it kind of crazy, like, it's the exact opposite of, like, what most people are. But then there's there's parts of it where they're, like, they do have some children that live there. I think there's about, um, maybe 13 kids that live there right now. And they say, you know, because they have people who are in charge of homeschooling the kids... And they say that they score just as well on the standardized tests for Virginia, but these kids also get to have nice days outside and wander. And I think the problem with this, though, and I'm, I'm kind of reading a little bit about it, is you remember how I talked about it, it was kind of like the village from uh, Shyamalan, mm-hmm. only without the monsters, but... It, the, the, if you remember the premise of that, the, the whole idea behind the community was because they had all escaped some sort of violence or tragedy. And they were trying all. to, like, shield everything. Right. So they doing everything within the community and shield them from the rest of the world. They paid, like, the government to not fly over the area so they wouldn't even know that the planes existed and all this other shit. This community works similar in the fact that... But you can leave. If you say you want to right, leave, you but, can. But what they're but doing... But then if you have no you have no money except for the stipend that you get monthly, and... Um, but they teach their kids, like, they don't want their kids around other kids because they feel like that will learn lead to violence and drugs. But see, a lot of these kids leave, especially when they get to college age. They go to university because they're right by Charlottesville. They'll go to University of Virginia, and then they never come back. A lot of children have left and never came back but it's amazing because like apparently there is a waiting list to live here they only have so many houses clearly and if they decide to choose you you have to go and stay for like three weeks and kind of get an idea of how the uh how the community works and see if you're a good fit but the thing that kind of blew my mind is they don't do any like 
background checks or anything. So you don't know if you're letting in a murderer or a pedophile or what have you. But they said they've never had any problems. I I don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how accurate that is. Cause... Right, and I feel like these stories have kind of come up so frequently in my readings because a lot of these communities thrive on youth and the people who've been there for a while they have nowhere to go they have no money they have to stay there and they're trying to like recruit new people yeah my only problem with a lot of this is like i'm all for individuality and freedom to do what you want but a lot of times and stuff like this it's just you're forcing younger people to be something that they really didn't have a choice in now granted when it comes to adulthood and parenting you have to kind of guide kids the best way you can but i i feel like to do something like this you're really not showing them any kind of adversity or personal choice like you've already dictated them well this is how you're gonna be and then they get to the world and it's kind of like a yeah that's why they leave it's a shock to the system so it's like what, what, what I found, too... Which was, they go out in the real world, and when they find out people aren't as kind or negotiable as they like to seem in their own community, uh, they're in for a rude awakening. It's a, and it can be violently ugly. <laughs> but the whole community has to make decisions. Which this is what kind of blew my mind. If there's a decision, like if you meet somebody in the community and you want to get married and have kids, you, you have to like bring that up. They don't have a quote-unquote leader it's all they all kind of like work together so what i found really interesting was they um there was a couple that used to live there and they lived there for a while but they wanted to have a baby and the woman already had two kids from a previous relationship that she brought with her when she moved to this community well they they basically have to get permission to reproduce because it's another mouth to feed it's another they start the kids like everybody has to work x amount of hours uh right now it's 42 hours a week and when they're so what happens when someone gets pregnant by accident don't know i mean maybe they throw them over a cliff who knows but (laughs) they drop on a rock like yeah (laughs) but like they that's what this reminds me of that's that's what kind of like we just watched that movie and then i'm reading this article but it's like really interesting too because they the kids have to pitch in too and they start them off as young as four having to devote like an hour only an hour a week so i mean there's only so much a four-year-old can do but when you hit 50 you you don't have to work anymore so I think what's they're struggling with right now, and again, why I think I'm seeing so Sorry, many... Sorry, positive, man. Well, yeah, you're 50, you know, work. But I, I think what, what they're struggling with right now is their core workers, like 18 to to 40, they... they it's kind of a revolving door, it said. They'll, some people will come and stay for a few years and leave. Well, they don't have these worker bees anymore, and it's like very few young people and mostly retired people in this community and you know there's kind of an inequality of balance going on and this is which makes this even more interesting this is not the only intentional community i didn't realize that they were all over there's tons of them in virginia i i was trying to look in maryland but i couldn't find anything but apparently like some people who were at twin oaks they liked it, but they didn't like certain aspects of it. So they spun off and they started their own community. Like, this is... Yeah. It was... Everyone wants to make up their own rules. Like, ah, 
this community is cool, but if it would change here yeah, and since they're not going to do it, I'm we're going to go do our own thing with similar stuff. Yeah. So, and I, I don't, I'm not 100% clear on the health, because they say healthcare is taken care of, but I think it's just like Medicare, like the state funded, because they all technically live under the poverty line. Right. They're not really workers. They don't have, so I, I don't know. They do like Jason. They they take, you know, a certain amount of money and they have a budget and that's what they work with. Mm-hmm. And they're okay with pretty much living at the poverty line. Yeah, they they make it work for what they want. But like as you said, for those that have a broader outlook, or for those that leave and they and they go to college or whatever, they're like, well, there's much more to this world than that. So I want to go out. And in this case, some might say, well. We were living with this, but, you know, if I can do this in college and get this amount of money, I can have better things. It may not even be so much about money. It might just be about experience. Like if you If you've not been given a lot of experience in life except for, I have have chores every day. Those that do that and, you know, they go out there and they're probably those hikers and whatever that go across the globe end up disappearing, (laughs) you know. There's reasons why. Like, they don't have the type of experience outside of the real world. It, it's just not a real world thing, the way they're being brought up. Like, they can teach them all the the do's and the stuff like that when you're trying to instill, like, a worth, work ethic. But socialization is a lot different. Yeah, they only have the... They can only socialize with who they have right. around them. And, and you got a lot of older people. They, they said they don't have a lot of younger ones there, so, like... You know, experimenting with anything, uh, romance. Uh, that was that was something that one of the um, kids had kind of said. He's 19 years old and he's never had his first kiss because there aren't any girls there or any that he's interested in. There's only 13 children, so right. So it, it's really just pretty whacked, if you ask me. I mean, I get the idea because I always used to kind of joke with my girlfriend um, Gina. I'm like, we should just buy a giant house and we all live together and I get it a nice sense of community is nice but what they're kind of doing is almost forcing people into poverty not allowing you to have any kind of rights outside of yeah I I probably wouldn't have a big deal with it if it was just like people who'd already had kids and let them go do their own thing and decide to like retire there or like for example they say you cannot make your own money. Why not? Like, what if I do dedicate my 42 hours a week to do whatever in the community and then I want to, like, trade stocks on the side or I want to work elsewhere? Why not? That Why should that... Why can't I drive for Amazon yeah. for three days a week and be that part of my money? Yeah, be like, I'm going to work for Amazon for three days a week and then the other 42 hours I'll... You know, I wouldn't even do the other four tabs. Like this is what my job is. And well, you're fifty, so you wouldn't really have anything to do. But like, well, for, even if I was some of the, but some of these jobs are more like household chores. They're not like job jobs. They're like things that we do anyway. So if your job is to do the laundry this week, well, that's fine. But, but that's that's what I mean. I can do the laundry, and I could go work in a coffee shop. Who says that I can't do that? I it. But for whatever reason, they feel like it's it's not 
part of their community ideals or whatever. So if you break the rules, you disappear. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's another thing. If you're only getting a stipend of $100 a month and you don't have any other outside funds, it's really hard to, like, leave. You yeah. know? I mean, who's going to save $100 a month if that $100 is all you have? It's true. All right, well, let's get back to some music. I had a gentleman named Murad, uh, Murad, Murad, a guitarist for a band called Dark Phantom from Iraq that contacted mm -hmm. me play some Muzak. Muzak. A bit we, of a thrash band. We uh, are always interested in new music. Influenced by Metallica, Slayer, Lamb of God, and Pantera, the big hitters. So uh, I had a chance to check them out a little bit. Very, very good. Uh, I'm more than happy to play their stuff. And we're going to start this next block with a track for them called Unholy Alliance.
you are Thrash Metal Band Pop Your Face from Russia and you are listening to Metal Tavern Radio. DJ Do is back with you, Mountain Ray Podcast, Words of Chaos. Alright, so one thing I wanted to touch about that we really haven't talked about too much since we've been doing the podcast is how many great festivals and, you know, different things, concert venues, like, it's all festivals, basically, that happen in Maryland. Like we Yeah, know, right here. We know they have a lot that happen across the globe in different areas, but... Obviously, the most notorious one here is Maryland Death Fest, but there are so many other festivals that happen that, you know, you and I don't always catch and not many people know about, so I wanted to touch on a little bit of some of that. Um, so let's just start with Maryland Death Fest, because that's the one that I think... Just the most notorious, d- yeah. Notorious? No, no, notorious! <laughs> I, uh, I remember many years ago... The Maryland Death Fest was not anything near what it was. It was just held in a small club, and it grew. And they, you know, people really worked to make it bigger than what it it, it can be. I mean, what it was. And this year, it's May twenty first through the twenty fourth. We always, uh, well, we didn't last year. I worked, but we try to every year block it out. We have friends come in from out of town. It's kind of like a, a big deal for us, and I think this year is really going to be great we have friends who are playing this year so we're super excited for them i um i've i've always enjoyed the death fest but i also for us what the death fest has meant was like more like we bring our friends together you know like you may we may not see them for a few years or even every year and then it's all of us together, just kind of like hanging out and enjoying right. music. It goes back to the whole family thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we met a lot of these people via online with, you know, forums and... Just sharing music. Facebook and everything else. And so it's like... We felt finally... comfortable enough. Right. Because we knew them for from, you know, just sharing music and going to concerts together. This and isn't talking. like just signing a foreign exchange student. This is like people we've gotten to know over the years. And, you know, it, sure, it's always kind of like a interesting and cautious experience when you first meet them. Because you, you don't know who you're talking with. But, you know, for us, we take the time to really get to know these people. Like, it isn't, and I'm always like the mother hen, too. I'm like, I need your emergency contact information. Just, oh, yeah. Just in case anything happens. Yeah, the, any friends that I've met online really aren't mine. They're her friends. That's and, not true. <laughs> they always talk to her. But, you know, Maryland Death Fest is much more than just a festival for music for us. It, it's like just a gathering of all our friends and gives us a chance to host them. and Enjoy the music. Right. Enjoy the fun. Talk to them in person. I mean, I think... Even, like, for Herman, who we, you know, oftentimes, he brings us gifts. Like, we don't even ask for it, but he just does He brought it. us cheese that one time? Oh, my God. Kind of can, like, the can kind, but it was, like... That, the the brown, a, right, the old yeah. Bruin. I'm, I asked him, I was like, can you sneak some for me? Yeah. But he brings, like, patches and all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I, obviously, when they're here, I try to reciprocate by... 
you know, buying stuff at the fest that they may want, whether it's vinyl or patches or whatever. Try so. to make sure we have beer and food. We always, like, just yep. have snacks and stuff because we're always on the go. We, we end up going, we're there almost all day, and it's, for us, it's our vacation. Some people, you know, they go to the Bahamas. We do Maryland Death Fest. And when I tell people at work that's like what my big vacation is, they're like, it was one of my co-workers, he's like, the Maryland Death Fest, he gets on Google, Maryland Death Fest, he's like, whoa, <laughs> some of these band names. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, we met someone else in Maryland a while back. In fact, it was a friend you hadn't seen for years and actually connected with her through him. And Mary Spiro, who actually runs the Shadow Woods uh, Festival every year. Plus now, she has the Shadow Frost Festival, which I think the difference is Shadow Woods, I believe, is in September. Shadow Frost, I think, takes place in like it was, January It was like last weekend, I yeah. think. Yeah, so it, it, it's like different times of the season. But, you know, she gets some really good bands in there, like, you know, black and, and doom metal and bands. And she doesn't so. just do these... Uh, these festivals yeah, she does, she smaller, does smaller um venues too gigs, yeah. she'll put together a gig and so we have someone here in maryland who i mean she works she's a science she's a scientist she's a science writer she works full-time but then also in her full-time spare time she devotes her love to the music to putting on a festival twice a year and putting on smaller gigs because she just wants to connect the people yep so, you know, it's important that, you know, for us Marylanders to and metalheads to get out there and check these festivals out. Uh, other things, like I know that Snipers of Babel have played uh, Metal in the Mountains, which we haven't got to. I think that's in West Virginia, maybe? That's in West Virginia. Oh, I have a story about that one from last year. So when we keep talking about Shadow um, Frost real quick. Obviously, we have uh, the Maryland Folk Metal Fest and the Maryland Doom Fest, which takes place in Frederick. Yeah, so. the Maryland Doom Fest is in Frederick, and that is that... Is that, is that at that Cafe 611? Yes, I That place so. has really taken off. We've seen, we saw snipers there. They also do, I, oh crap, I feel so bad. There's a charity event that they do. Oh yeah, for the kids. For the, it's called For the Kids. Yeah, yeah. That it's, it's metal and rock bands and, you know, your, your donation at the door goes towards that. They have silent auctions and it's a, it's a metal show in this cafe. You know, they have beer, food, etc. But, I mean, it's really awesome that everybody there, they, they've made it an annual event to raise money for the kids. I yeah, it's, it's really important that, you know, obviously we get a lot of metal acts that come through here in the surrounding area, but when it comes to these festivals where they generally feature a lot of like more uh, local acts and whatnot, it's important to get out there and support them and check them out because you know some of even some of the bigger acts that come through with those festivals like it's it's just a great opportunity for a lot of these uh young guns to get in there and showcase their stuff so you know we need i i know i need to make a little bit better effort i'd love to go to shadow woods or shadow frost at some point i haven't been able to do it yet but there's been a lot of great acts in there the last two years i think i've been out of town this year we weren't out of town for shadow the shadow frost but we were booked last weekend right I think Shadow was a, was initially up in the White. It's in Whitehall. It's a camping thing. But it, it's not there anymore because I think they ran into some zoning issues. But uh, she had to move it. I'm not sure where they moved it to. But either way, uh, 
I think it's important just to point this out that these festivals outside of Maryland Death Fest need to be take a little more notice of and uh, get some love because they got the some Maryland Death band. Fest started small. Remember, it yeah. was in a small shitty club in Brooklyn. Thunderdome. And I said, I am not going to Brooklyn. That's Brooklyn, Maryland. It's way different than Brooklyn, New York. We did for something. I, oh, it was just when Jeff was working there for something. But I yeah. said, I will not go to Brooklyn <laughs> for some three crappy bands I've never heard of. <laughs> but... <laughs> But back to the Maryland Doom Fest. Last year, they actually ran into a little bit of a, a little hiccup. Yeah, or excuse me, Metal in the Mountains. So, Metal in the Mountains, it was two. Th yeah, last year, there was actual pushback from the community saying that they won't stop until the Satan-loving businesses are closed or, or destroyed. Oh, God. So they were the festival organizers were receiving anonymous letters from self-proclaimed Bible thumpers trying to push them out and not have metal in the mountains. So, I love that. I know, right? You would think we were past all that shit, but nope. It's kind of sad, too. It's really sad. Well, he's the the Anthony, the person who puts it on, says he's been threatened of his house being burned down because they're doing metal in the mountains. So, I mean, that's just kind of sad. So if they're gonna push, we gotta push back. That's exactly metal right. Metal it up. Metal it up. Show up for these shows if you can. Yeah. If you can't show up for these shows. You can do whatever is free. Go on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, all of the social media networks, and share. Bring awareness. Say, hey, this is happening. My friend's running it. Check it out. Blah, blah, blah. If you can't attend, just share and, and put it out there. And that's what we're trying to do right now is just share and let everybody know that here in little old Maryland, we may not be huge like... Europe, where they have all these amazing walk-in, walk yeah, we don't, we may not have that, but we have our smaller metal festivals, and they are terrific, and we have a great time every year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get back to our music. Uh, this next block got some Maniacal Force kicking it off with Sicarius after that, and then some new Ozzy Osbourne. Mm hmm. <laughs>
Fractured Insanity, Rothschild's Disease. What'd you think? I like that. I really did. Good fucking stuff. Well, I thank everyone for tuning in today for this episode of The Hordes of Chaos. We enjoyed your company. The Whores of Chaos. The Whores of Chaos. I'm the Whore of Chaos. Yeah. I am Chaos. Chaos. I know you love me, but I know... You're a mess. I am a mess. I know being married to me is not easy. Yeah, I'm perfect. Nothing wrong with me whatsoever. No, there isn't. Not my honey. Not my my man. Oh, ladies, do you want to know what my man did for me for Valentine's Day? No, we already talked about all that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know what he did for not Valentine's Day just because he loves me? What's that? The same thing. Made me a bath with a bubble bath. I'm going to do it again today because she's accustomed to a certain way of living, (laughs) as I've been told. Actually, if you just want to skip to making me my special soup. I'll do that. I like my soup. Baths are always nice, though. I might do it for myself. (laughs) Do you want me to do it for you? No. Anyway, no one wants to hear that shit. The eucalyptus. Uh, special thanks to obviously all the labels and promotional sites, Sky Nielsen Productions or promotions for boosting us and promoting us. Big, big thanks. Um, Metalomania, Chris Grant and Kelly Grant, uh, their show. Um, also Carmichael Racing, Stoffer's Auto, uh, the Fat Samurai Guy YouTube channel. Uh, thanks very much for the support. We appreciate it as always. And we will all catch you on the flip side. Yes, thank you for listening so much. Yeah, without you, there would not be us. All 12 of our listeners. We have more than that. 13. We got lots of listeners. Actually, our download numbers are up, so I'm very excited. I'm very proud of us. The word is spreading like the coronavirus. Right? (laughs) And I'm happy that I've been able to be home for about six weeks to do this with Anubis. I, I don't know when I'm leaving again, but I will call in like I did before. Yeah, that was the second most downloaded episode when you called in from Hong Kong. I don't know if that was the reason why, but hey, you know, you never know. They love your voice. They love Hong Kong? Is that what you're saying? Hong Kong Kong Fooey. I'm really happy that I've, I've been able to spend some time at home, though, and do this and spread metal to the masses, as they say, and talk about fun things, and today has just been a really good show. Yep. One last track for you from Japan. Gatsu Totsu Katsu Memorial Sword. See you later. Enjoy. Enjoy.
I'm not 